0: News has a way of changing your life. I think this is the way it goes. Have you ever received a message that changed your life? That's happened with me. I remember I was uh, with the woman who's now my wife. In fact, my wife makes me count our anniversary um, from when we moved in together, not when we married, because she says she wants all of her years to count. and. Uh, if you've ever lived with me, you know why that's important to her. Um, And she, I remember, uh, I was real young. When I met my wife, I was 17 years old, right? And so we did what every uh, person at that age uh, uh, who falls in love or who thinks they know better than God, uh, we moved in together, which is like a really bad idea. By the way, so you know, the statistics are out on like moving in together. It's like a really bad idea. It's like It triples your, opportunity, your ability to get divorced later on. It's like, it doesn't work well, but that's a message for another time. So my wife, we were living together, and she comes uh, to me and she says, uh, her and my sister, I remember, we were living in, uh, f- is it 416 Graham Avenue? Do I still have that, right? Yeah, yeah it's 416 Graham Avenue. And she, uh, she recruited my sister. She was pregnant. And she recruited my sister because she thought, well, you know, Edwin's going to leave now that he found out that I'm pregnant, which gives you an idea of what kind of character I had at the time that she would believe that. And so she came in and with my sister, and she told me, and she looked real scared, too. I was like, man, what did she do, sleep with a football team or something like that? And I was like, this is like, you know, what happened? And her and my sister told me that I was going to be a father. My son was born when I was 18. So I was real young. And some of you who have had kids when you were, like, real young know the terror that's involved with that. That message changed my life. I remember in that moment, I didn't know what else to do, but I asked her to marry me, right? I didn't know what else to do. I just said, would you marry me? And, and we've been gloriously, happily married ever since. And <laughs> y'all clap, because <laughs> you know it hasn't really been glorious and happy every moment. And it's like, yeah, and I know how that marriage has gone. I've told you enough confessions to know that it hasn't gone perfect, but it was the best decision I ever made, right? And so, well, receiving Jesus was probably the best decision, but that one's like a second. Um, and so... That message changed the trajectory of my life. But I bet you've received messages that have changed your trajectory of your life. For some of you, it was like, yeah, man, you're pregnant. Or you guys are going to have a baby. And it changed the trajectory of your life. Or for some of you, it was applying for a college that you really, really felt that you were called to get into. And it was a negative message. It was like, no, you're not going to get in. And that changed the trajectory of your life. For some of you, You received the message that changed the trajectory of your life that sounded something like this. Try this. And you were like, well, no, I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm not sure I should smoke that or drink that. I was like, no, 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 no. Just try Listen, one time can't hurt (laughs) you. And we know how well that went, right? And what did you do? You tried it, and what did it do? The message caused a reaction or a decision, and that changed the trajectory of your life. God knows how powerful messages can be because they can change the trajectory of your life. We're in a brand new series called The Gift, and The Gift today, we're going to focus on the message, the message that I hope will change the trajectory of your life, all our lives. We're going to look at this all-important, super-fantastic message, but if you don't get the message, you'll miss out on the decision that you need to make and the change that needs to happen in your life. So we're going to look at a passage that is so famous that you probably listen to it every year, especially if you've ever, um, uh, have you ever watched uh, Peanuts Christmas. Right. No, it's like Charlie Brown. Anybody know? No Charlie Brown fans? Okay. So, there's a like The Peanut's Christmas. And in The Peanut's Christmas, I think it's Linus who comes up and says it's like super famous passage. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 and we're going to look at a message that my prayer is will change the trajectory of your life. Now, we have a tradition in our church where we stand at the reading of God's word. And the reason that we stand is because we want to be reminded that God has more authority than we do, that we look to him in his word for direction and guidance. And he is authoritative in our lives. And I know that the word authoritative, we don't like that word authority too much, but really is. He really is. And so... We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 and we're going to look at a very, very small portion of it. We're just going to look at 13 through 19. Would you uh, be bold enough to read this with me? We can all read it together. Okay? On the count of three, we're going to start with verse 13. On account count of three, um, we'll read it together. One, two, three. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This is, ends the reading of God's Word. Please have a seat. So, it's Christmas. They don't know it's Christmas. <laughs> They've never been told that this is the time when they should be buying gifts for other people. They've never been told that um, there are going to be like awesome lights and, and there are going to be uh, a, a baby who they're going to celebrate. None of this have they been told. None of it. They hear it for the first time. Who hears the message? It's shepherds. Now, I want to just pause for a second. Shepherds were on the low rung of the ladder. Shepherds were not celebrated. Shepherds, like women, at that time, weren't even admissible witnesses in court. They had no uh, um, juice when it comes to like uh, prestige or anything like that. They were at the low rung of the ladder. And God comes to these shepherds through an angel and then a Uh, like uh, an army of angels. Now, I just want to pause for a second. I need you to know that messages come. And messages come from God through his word. And we need to be able to hear that message so that it can transform our hearts. Now listen to me. I know that a lot of us have good reason not to believe the Bible, not to believe the word of God. We have great reasons to think that this is just, well, you know, I like some of it. I don't like all of it. What about, you know, the stoning of these type of people? Listen, 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 listen. There's a lot we can talk about that. But when we talk about God's word, there is a message that God wants to get to you. And today we're going to focus in on that message, but I pray that you would receive it. And just listen, if you could, even in your heart, even if there's a hope that there's a God in heaven, even if there's not that big of a hope, I want you to take a risk and do something crazy and just go, God, if you have a message for me, I want to receive it. Just start praying that in your heart. If you have a message for me, I want to receive it. If you're an atheist, I want you to pray that. If you're a nominal believer, like you believe, yeah, I kind of believe, but I'm not down with this whole Christian thing. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, God, if you have a message for me, I want you to speak to my heart. Now, I want you to notice. I want you to notice the messengers that these guys get. The messengers that these guys get are an angel. And then, like, an army of angels. I want you to see this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. So the angel comes first, and the angel says, this is earlier in the passage, verse 11, the angel comes first, and the angel says, fear not. You know why the angel says, fear not? The reason anybody would say, fear not, is because they were very afraid. Angels are not like fat babies floating around With arrows and bows ready to strike you for you to love the person that you're gonna be with. That is not angels. Angels are fierce messenger warriors. They're incredible. The Bible, when it speaks of them, the only response anybody has ever given to an angel appearing is like falling to the ground in terror. Now, I wanna point out something about these messengers they're immaculate, they're perfect. There's nothing flawed in them. The shepherds, they got angels. Everybody else just got lowly shepherds. Now, this is really, really, really important because you might get an angel to speak to you and tell you the good news about God. But more than likely, you'll just get flawed shepherds. You'll get people who are broken and flawed and full of sin. People like me who have nothing in themselves to commend themselves to you. There's no reason why you should believe me. There's no reason why in me you should go, oh, yeah, 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 that guy, he said it, so he's an authority. No, there's none. The shepherds got an angel, but you and me, we might just get a shepherd. We might just get flawed people. Maybe, maybe the person who shared the gospel with you at first was a mom or a dad. And they were, I mean, it was impossible to hear this gospel message for them because you could just see all of their flaws. Maybe it was a boyfriend and girl, or a girlfriend. And, and you could just see all of their flaws. Maybe it was a friend at work, you know, who had the Bible you know, right there on their desk and always listened to Christian music. And, and every time they opened their mouths, they seemed so crazy to you. And, and in fact, seemed uh, sinful and, and backbiting. And you're like, oh my gosh. In other words, the shepherds got this incredible message from these incredible beings. But when you get the message, you'll only get it from ordinary people. You'll only get it from flawed people. You'll only get it from people who you could easily discount. And so here's why I'm coming to you with this. Because you might discount this message. Maybe because I'm a pastor and you go, oh, well, he's a pastor. He's supposed to say that. You discount me. Maybe these people who were amazed, they had reason to discount people in their um, these these shepherds. But I want you to know that this message... That might come from several different sources, many of which aren't sources that you would like to take in. It's God sending you a message. And I want you to receive it as such. And God only has broken, flawed people to send this message. I remember there was this, um, I remember early on when we started the church, there was this girl. Um, and she would, like, video. She was, like, really into video, videography and all that other stuff. She had gone to school for it. So she would do, like, you know, different um, uh, videos for us. And then we would put them up. It was amazing. She was really great. And, and she hadn't received Christ. Like, for all the messages that we should she just loved coming around. And I couldn't believe how many people she brought to church. I couldn't believe how many people she gathered. And it was just like, and she was, I mean, just her lifestyle was just, like, it was, it was not like wholesome, it was not wholesome. And there was a way that God used her to bring the message to a lot of people to draw those people unto God. When you get a message, and you might be here, and listen, I am not uh, ignorant about reasons why people come to the service, right? So people come to the service for all sorts of different reasons, right? Maybe you had a girl at work say, hey, man, what are you doing on Sunday? And you were like, oh, man, maybe she wants to go out with me. And you said, oh, nothing, nothing at all, hoping that it was going like to produce a date. She was like, great, I'm going to church. Why don't you come with me? And you were like, oh, man, I forgot. I had to wash my dog or something like that. And you couldn't get out of it, and now you're here. Or, or you know, or, or maybe, 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 you know, um, this is just like part of your tradition. And you're here because, like, this is part of what you do. You just, you came because this is part of what you do. Or maybe you were, like, mandated to be here, right? You were forced to be here. That if you had another choice, you would not be here in a million years. I know. There's still a message that's coming out. And that message is for you. The person sitting in your seat. Take it personal. It's for you. And the message is for you. These, um, so some people get like glorious uh, immaculate messengers. Others just get shepherds or like them. But then there's not only these messengers. There's also the message. And what's the message? Here it is. And it's really good news. But in order for good news to be good news, sometimes you have to hear the painful news, the scary news. Isn't that true? Like... Um, you might hear, okay, so if I came to you, right, and I said, your children, or whoever you love the most, right, oh, they made it home, you know, it was like four o'clock, they were supposed to be there at four o'clock, and I told you, oh, they made it home at four o'clock. You'd be like, well, so what? They come home at four o'clock all the time, or or that's the time that they come home. It wouldn't be like good news, but if I told you, there's been an accident, you'd be like, what? Yes, the person that you love was in a five-car wreckage. It was traumatic and terrible. If I told you that, you would be hanging on every word afterwards. You would be like, tell me, what happened? And I'll go, your loved one got out without a scratch. You might be brought to tears, because that's good news. But it's only good news. Because the bad news came first, right? Does that make sense? Okay, so this is my effort to give you the bad news first. So don't, listen, don't get mad at the bad news. The good news, you won't appreciate the good news unless you first accept how bad the bad news is. Does this make sense? All right. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's the message. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. There's so much we could say about that. I'm just going to really briefly say this. There's peace that God offers. But do you know that Nobody ever offers peace unless force, unless first there was enmity or war or unpeace. You see, nobody walks into a room. like you just don't have this, right? Like uh, you know, um, remember, uh, it, had anybody here ever saw uh, what was that with the jets and the? Uh, um, That's uh, West Side Story. The West Side Story. Remember, they had uh, this one place, the uh, the the soda pop store, right? Uh, Yeah, Docs, right? And in Docs, (laughs) the whole this is a participation process. Okay, so all participation. And I forgot to say this at first. You can stop me at any time to ask any question. Just kind of raise your hand, and I'll try to get to your question. Um, But uh, yeah. So they went to Docs. But before they go to Docs. They had to pick a neutral or a place where there would be no uh, fighting. Why? Because they were at war, and they needed to state that uh, overtly. Why does God say that on earth he's going to give peace to uh, whom his favor rests? I want you to know the news right now. Here's the bad news there's no peace between you and God. You go, listen, many of us walk around thinking that to be a Christian is to be a good person. That that's what it means to be a Christian, just be a good person. Take it from a person who's not good. To be a Christian is not to be a good person. The Bible says over and over and over again that we are at war with God. We are at we are enemies with God. And you, if you don't believe that, just give me a second to try. Listen, many of us are at war with God with who's going to be the Lord of your life. It's like, no, no, no. God has a direction. God has uh, an idea for your life. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm the shock caller of my life. You know, you're, you, you adopt the poem. Remember the old poem? I am the master of I am the commander of my ship, the master of my fate. You are the authority in your life. You will hate who you want to hate. You'll love who you want to love. You'll do what you want to do. You'll hope what you want to hope. But you are the authority in your life. You're at war with God. And who's going to be the authority in your life? Some of you, you're at war with God with what pleasure looks like. In your life, you say to yourself, I know how I can be happy. I can be happy if I just have one more drink. I can be happy if I just get one more lover, if I go on one more date, if I click on one more thing, if I shop and buy one more thing. Listen to me. You're at war with where your peace comes from. God offers peace, but he only offers peace to those who are at war with him. And it's only good news to those who recognize that they... You go, oh, no, 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 no. That's, I, I'm so grateful that you're saying this for everybody else, especially for the addict types who are in the room. But that's not true about me. You see, you see, I, I mean, I was born into a good family. And we went to church every Sunday. And 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 we did all the Christian things that you're supposed to do, and and listen to me. You're at war with God about your righteousness. You think that you have an inherent righteousness on your own. You think that your righteousness comes from you, your good works, your good deeds. Yeah, I, I'm an honest person. I'm a good person. I I I, I. no no beloved. Isn't it bad news? You're at war with God. What do we do? Well, there's a hope. There's a hope that we have. But it's a peculiar hope. It's a hope in trusting that God will allow His peace to reign in your life. That what God has done is enough. What God has done is enough to bring peace in your very broken world. Because it's a broken world, right? I mean, I don't know if this is the last time we ever get to meet together. Boy, that's not like just me like throwing something out there, right? We really, really, really believe that now, right? The whole world is turned upside down. And the joy that we have in gathering together is not, might, might not be something that's so easily gotten anymore. Listen, God can bring peace. And so we're at war with God. We're at war with God about who's going to be the Lord of our lives. We're at war with God about where our righteousness comes from. God says, your righteousness only comes from me. Some of us are at war with God about the way our lives should have gone. Maybe we're at war with God over the person that we married. Or like, I can't believe I married this person. Or maybe we're at war with God with the fact that we haven't been married. And it's like, God, are you kidding me? I've been waiting for this woman. I've been waiting for this man. I've been waiting for this spouse for so long. I've believed you. I've done everything right. And I'm still single? You're at war with God. God says, on, I wish you would, on where it says earth, I wish you would, and on, put your name there. Would you do that? Like on a count of three, I know that we all have different names. But just where it says on earth, I want you to just, where it says earth, I want you to put your name. Count of three, one, two, three. And on Edwin, Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Like it's, it's a peace for you. But we're at war with God. God offers peace. Now, this message is not just about the peace that God offers to us. What, what does this peace produce? Well, if you look at the last 2,000 years, you know that there is not peace on this earth and you just go, oh man, there's like some wars going on. And in America there's like, re- oh my gosh, right? We have red states and blue states. And in, and in certain places throughout the world they have uh, civil wars going on. I mean, what does this peace produce? There's a peace that God creates and the peace is what we just spoke about peace between you and I who are at war with him and him and us who loves us dearly. There's a peace that God gives. There's a peace between you. And this makes all, remember what I said, that messages have the power to change the trajectory. You're not at war with God. He has done everything necessary in order for you to be at peace with him. He, God is no longer aiming a gun at you. you might be still aiming your guns at him. But not only does this peace produce a peacemaking between us and God, it also produces a peace experiencing. It produces this message produces a peacemaking between us and God. And by the way, you don't have to wait till the end of my message. You can go to God right now and just literally go God okay, so I'm at war with you. I, I definitely haven't taken you, uh, I haven't followed you. I've done my way. I've done my thing. And you can go, God, would you forgive me for living so far outside of your will? And then, Lord, I just want to follow you. I believe that Jesus died for my sins so that I could have peace with you. Man, you don't have to wait to the end of the message to receive that message. God makes peace with us How? By this glorious son coming. And he doesn't just come and stay as a baby. He grows up, lives an immaculate life, the life that you should have lived. And then he dies a death voluntarily, the death that you and I deserve because of our guilt. And then he rises from the dead. This is a gift to us all. He says peace, but this purse doesn't, it's not just peacemaking between us and God, it's also peace experiencing That means you can experience peace. And so there are things that happen in life that are not very peaceful, right? Has anybody here going through a, like a non-peaceful time, right? Yeah, there's a few of you where it's like, yo, this is difficult. There's strife. There's relational strife. There's pain in the loss of loved ones, especially Christmas. And I, I think of some of you right now who have lost loved ones this year, parents and children and friends. And it's just been, a, that it, just, it just reminds you of your loss your Christmas. Well, the peace experiencing that we get to experience in Christmas is a reminder that heaven breaks through, that what we see is not all there is that there is more to life than just what we experience, that God comes to give us a peace in us, knowing that even if we've lost a loved one, we have a hope in Christ to see them again. Not only is this peacemaking and peace experiencing, and we see this in the shepherds. Do you see the peacemaking that God is doing and the peace experiencing? So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. You see where they're moving now? They not only experience this awe and this wonder, but then they start telling others. It's not just peacemaking. This message is not just peace experiencing. It's also peace sharing. I love that. Every time I talk, music uh, spawns spontaneously uh, erupts. Um, my wife must have been like, this message needs a little help. And she's like, OK, I want to put some music in the background. Awesome, awesome. I'm doing the best I can. OK, so it's not only peacemaking, it's also peace experiencing, but it's also peace sharing. And this is big deal. guys. Have you ever received, like, really great news that you just said, no, I'm keeping this to myself. I'm not sharing this with anybody. Because when you experience great news, this is, true. I, this is one thing I've never had to teach my kids, to share when, they're, when they experience something joyful. Like, that happens with my kids. Like, uh, they, I, I remember, like, the kids are like, yo, try this, try this. They've done that all throughout their lives. They, they taste something wonderful. Like, I remember... Uh, with my son David, I waited till he was like, I don't know, like four or five, and then I got him McDonald's fries. And I said, I'm going to watch you experience McDonald's fries. It's like, like, yo, this is going to be a delight. And then I remember I did the same thing with Krispy Kremes, which I just found out that on 47, anybody knows what Krispy Kremes is? Krispy Kremes, it's the anointed donut. It's incredible, Right? It's amazing. If you're trying to lose weight, don't go on 47th. Don't go to 47th and Broadway because we were in Manhattan this Friday. It was our Friday, our Sabbath, and we drove into Manhattan and we wound up going to Krispy Kreme when the light had just come on. Yes, yes. And some people clap because they know, oh, yes, I feel that. You feel more excited about Krispy Kremes than you do about Jesus, which is like something that we need to reverse, but it's really good. It's really good. So when the light comes on, if you don't know about Krispy Kreme donuts, when the light comes on, that means that the donuts are just coming out of the oven. Oh, the joy. Like one day I'm going to preach a sermon on the scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm, as an illustration, going to give everybody Krispy Kremes so that you can understand that when you taste something, you experience it and you delight in it. Well, we went to Krispy Kremes. I don't even know why I'm telling you this story, but I'm going to keep on going with it. It was awesome. And as soon as they had it, as soon as I wasn't, uh, I wasn't going to have Krispy Kremes that day because I'm disciplined. And uh, no, that's not true. Um, but um, but uh, they, they, they had it and they were like, yo, ba, you want some of this? And I was like, yes, with every fiber of my being, but I'm not going to have it right now. And that's, but that's what happens when you get good news. And that's, or that's when it happens when you experience something good. And that's what they did they took their good news, and they started to share it with everyone who would listen. And this is so important, because that's what we're called to do. Share it with anyone. Let me tell you something. Some people get angels. Some, most of us get shepherds. And most of the people we share it with, again, are going to be with Florida. They're going to look at us. They're going to go, oh, my gosh, you're, you're talking about Jesus with the way you live? I know. I know. It's crazy. I'm not telling you because of the way I live. I'm telling you because of how good he is. And so they go off, and then what happens? Here's what happens. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, there are two types of people. There are people, well, I mean, there's more than this. There's far more than this. But in this particular message and in this particular text, there are two types of people. People who are amazed by it but and then there's one person who takes it in. I don't want you to just be impressed. I don't want this to just be like good news, like ho-hum. I want the gospel to change your life. God wants the gospel to change my life, to change your life, to change our life. Some are amazed by it. But Mary, you see what happens with Mary? She treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Year after year, she let this truth grow in her heart. It produced something. It produced something. It was amazing. So now, beloved, my prayer to you in this Christmas is that you will receive this gift. The gift of the message of peace. That there was war between you and God. And You were in your shame, and you were in your guilt, and you were in your doubt, and you were in your whatever. And God breaks that down, and he says, no, there's peace between us. I'm bringing you peace. Would you receive this peace? And that you would receive that peace. Receive that peace the way you would receive a a drink, like you would take it in and let it transform you. Let it transform you to the degree where you share it with others. That's my prayer for you today. That's my hope for you just as we are about to take communion. I want you to take this good news in. Now, we're about to take, uh, partake in communion. Now, in partaking of communion, what we're doing is we're being reminded, reminded of this incredible gift that God has given us. And we weren't able to do this before um, this year. this Because, of course, with all the fears and all the concerns with COVID. And so we were, I think we've only been able to take communion maybe once or twice this year. Last week we took communion. We're going to be taking communion every week throughout this series to be reminded of God's great sacrifice. So... On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took, during a meal, and by the way, we're about to have a meal. Like, there's some food, I hope, in the back. Um, uh, is there? Soup, I love soup. Soup is like my favorite thing. I could eat soup everything. If you ever want to bring food to the pastor, bring patelas and soup, okay? That's the rule, okay? I don't mind anything else, but I'm just saying. Okay, so what Jesus did In his meal, you know how like all of y'all, like you know, you go to a restaurant, they bring you bread, it's like a common thing, right? Well, it's like really common. And then what he does is he, he does an illustration. He says, you see this bread? This bread represents my body. And then he does something crazy. He breaks it. Wait, 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 it's your body, I know. And he breaks it. He breaks it and says... And everybody must be going, wait, wait, wait. If this is your body, why not keep it whole? It's like, no, 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 I got to explain something. It's my body, broken for you. Would you take that personally? It was broken. Why was it broken for you? Because you're broken. I know you don't want to admit that to yourself or to anybody else, but you are. You know you don't even uh, meet up to your own standards. You know that. I know that. We all know that. My body is broken for the broken. Broken for the sh- filled with shame. Broken for the ones who are walking around with guilt. Broken for the ones who, when they look at themselves, they not only are enemies with God, but enemies with themselves. They hate their very existence. It's like, here's, here's my body. It's broken for you. And then he says, don't forget this. That you and I deserve the penalty of our sin. You and I deserve the penalty of what we've done wrong. And you know that you and I have chosen other things other than Jesus all our lives. Some of us are still choosing other things other than Jesus right now. Even as I say that, you could think of some things that you choose for your peace, your joy, breaks it. He says, it's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, before, don't take. Then he takes. The reason I wanted to do it this way is because it's one body broken for you. We all have multiple saviors. We have one savior. I know that we try to look for saviors in other things. That boy who will make us happy that girl who will make us feel like a man that money that will finally give us the freedom that we all know those are false saviors those saviors don't save those saviors entrap he comes and he says and he takes a drink and he goes this is my blood shed for you shed for you take it personal he goes Drink this, remembering his sacrifice. Remember. Now,